This is Efficiency On Demand. On Demand. High performance. Leadership. People think overwhelm. Craziness. Craziness. No time. No time. No fun. No fun. Just work, 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 work. It's time to slow down to speed up. You owe more to yourself. This is Efficiency On Demand with Monique. Monique is a high-performance and leadership specialist. During the show, Monique and her guests will share the harsh truth behind their success stories, what it means to perform on a high level, and to be a leader in this world. It's time to take control of your time and live life limitless. This is Efficiency on Demand, and this is your host, Monique. Welcome back to Efficiency on Demand, everyone. Today I have super powerful guests. I'm super happy to dive into her story and you will hear why. Um, this is going to be a very powerful episode for women especially, but all the men, they can hear and they, they listen to us. They will learn a lot too, I promise you. We've been connected for quite a long time. We didn't follow each other for all the time, but that just happens in the online world. But I think it's been over three years now that we know of each other's existence. Just let it say that way. And I'm super, super glad that one of our mutual friends has reconnected us. So I want to welcome to the show, Lauren Gordon. Hi, how are you? Hi, thank you so much for having me first and foremost. And thank you to our mutual friend who reconnected us. <laughs> yeah. His episode recently just aired. And so I'm super, super, yeah, happy. He just connected me with like all of these powerful people. I'm like, oh my God, he just swam my inbox. Shout out to Imi. Thank you, Imi. So yeah, let's just dive right in. Your story is super powerful in a few different ways. And we do have something in common and it's the way how we kind of start our businesses out from what type of point. So tell me a little bit about the time that you moved to Australia and how you started your business. Yeah. So yeah, we do share that, that common passion and love for seeing the world and kind of learning from hands-on experience. That's what I like to describe travel as. You really learn about the world from a hands-on experience instead of through a textbook per se. So I think we share that, but I am from a town of 600 people and I tried college for a year. It was not for me. I immediately felt that I wanted to get out into the world and learn again from a hands-on experience. Um, so I ran an offline business during that year of college. I actually sold that business and then booked a one-way ticket to New York city where I tried to make online business work for the first time. I was super interested in it. I researched blogging. I researched freelancing, pretty much everything you can, you know, you can YouTube. <laughs> I pretty much, I tried to figure it out. Long story short, I realized that the environment of New York, that, that constant hustle where everybody is so round the clock on the hamster wheel. Um, it is such a hustle mentality. That was not something that I wanted for the long term for myself. I wanted to be in a much more calm environment with more nature, with more work-life balance. And so I looked at a map and I had my finger on either Europe or Australia and I ended up picking Australia. <laughs> There's no other like big reason, like literally that was it. I just looked at a map and I went, okay, it's either Europe or it's Australia. 
And I picked Australia. I booked a one-way ticket from New York to Sydney. By that point, New York City is very expensive for those of you guys that have been there. I was down to about 500 bucks in my bank account, but still booked the ticket, went to Sydney. I kind of have the mindset that if, if you're giving me if you're giving me a chance to fail, I will do the opposite like every single time because I don't view it as, I just don't view it as an op, as an option. Like if I'm in that dire situation, I come out on the other side. You know, that's a specific mindset, specific personality, but it works really well for me. <laughs> so I knew, yeah. So I knew, you know, when I booked that ticket, I had 500 bucks. I was like, it's fine. I'll, it's fine. I'll figure it out. I'll make it work. Cause there's no other choice. <laughs> like there's no other. So I landed in Sydney, Australia. My, my intention was to work on me, myself and I figure out how to make online business work, start making real money online. Two weeks later, I met my now partner and we have a daughter together. Now we're living in Sydney, Australia. And between the time I landed in Sydney up until now, I now run a multiple six figure online coaching business but I started as a freelance copywriter. I worked my way up and it was a crazy three years, but that's kind of my, my snippet. And I have not gone back to my town of, you know, of 600 people. Now I travel kind of as I want, but I'm a little bit more planted. Now we go back and forth between the U S and Australia. And yeah, so that's a little snippet, the short version. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And we, we got to dive in a little bit deeper, obviously, because we have some time. So, but what once I want to say is like the way you started out is just booking like for a one-way ticket to Australia, the $500 story. It's super interesting because when I started my business, um, I was just, I literally was, I don't know if that's a, like language is really important. So I went bankrupt by being robbed. And so it was, I I now have to laugh so hard because it's like this hilarious Hollywood movie story that only if you're the person in the audience and you watch this movie, you're like, no, don't do that. That's going to happen to you. And like in my mind, it was like, like the movie just ran in front of my eyes. So basically what happened is like I traveled already for two years Mm -hmm. um, full time. And I didn't have a business by this time at all. I um, ended up getting a job in Vietnam um, in a, well, friend kind of company. Um, Turns out he was my friend anyways. But then, you know, like the job was really, it was horrendous. The person was horrible. Like he was an absolute sociopath and like being racist to the employees and everything was like, it was really, really bad. But what happened was like in the first week, my credit card got skimmed and the money, and it was an Australian credit card because I lived there before. And then basically the bank told me, well, you have two options. You can fly to Australia, get a new card, or you can take out all of the money. And I'm like, how am I supposed to book flights? How am I like, can you book the flights for me? Like, I don't know. Can you send the money to my German bank account? And they were like, no, we're not allowed to do that. I'm like, I have online banking. Oh, we shut that down. <laughs> so it was like ridiculous. And so what happened is like, I literally had to go pay out my last, I think it was like around 1000 US dollars. So a thousand something um, Australian dollars. And I kid you not on the way home, they robbed my back of me with all of the money, my new keys to the apartment. I just paid off like everything. It was like literally this 
ridiculous Hollywood movie running. And the only thing left was my phone in my hand because I was, as people are walking with the phone in my So this time in Vietnam, they didn't steal the phone out of my hand. That happened like five years before, but they got all of the money in the bank. And I was standing there and I was like, this is nuts. This is insane. And so I had six weeks with 40 US dollars that I found in my passport that I was luckily having at home. So I had one oatmeal a day and the bus ride to work and that's it. And I was crying myself into sleep, starving. And that's how I started my business because I couldn't sleep. And I was like, I don't know what to do. I need to do something. What can I do? Oh, yep. I'm going to start a business. Let's bootstrap it. So there is something that we definitely have in common because if you try me to fail, I'm going to definitely thrive through it too. Yeah. And I think that's, it, it's definitely a, a personality trait. I'm not sure if it can be built. Honestly, I've, I've actually asked this a lot. So a lot of my close, a lot of my close business friends, people in my, my, my close small circle, they come to me for a lot of mindset stuff, even though I'm really heavily business strategy. They, they do ask a lot of mindset stuff. And one of the things I get asked a lot is kind of, how do you, how do you keep that persistence? How do you thrive in the face of adversity? How do, like things like that. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you'd agree, but I don't know, man. Like, I don't know if, if what you did, what I did, I don't know if that is something that can be taught. I feel like that, that mindset for me, at least it was instilled by my very first support network, which was my parents. Like mm-hmm. I had a really strong, and I tell people this, I'm honest. I say, you know, my, my mindset, the way I think it all started really in my home life, at least. Yeah. I don't know who I would be or if I would be different if I didn't have that. So, you know, when people ask me, well, how'd you do it? How did you just, how did you, you know, just book the flight without being terrified of ending up homeless? And, you know, when they ask me things like that, I'm like, well, I didn't really see another way. Like I just, that was what I wanted to do. It I committed to making it happen. Like I committed to making it work, you know? I don't know. Do you feel like that's a mindset that can be learned or do you feel like you're kind of born with that? It's a, it's a tough one. I don't know. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to throw something else in here because I know something about you that you don't know about me either. <laughs> Not that I stalk you. Maybe I do anyways. So <laughs> I stalk all of my guests. So the thing is that I know you have been a ballet dancer. Mm-hmm. So have I. I have been a semi-professional ballet dancer for 11 and a half years from a very young age. I started with three and a half. And I promise you, and when anyone asks me about this mindset, I tell you it's from ballet. And the reason why it can be from any high performance athletic sports, but if you, especially in a young age already, if you're being in, if you're being an athlete and people think ballet is like something cute and I tell them like any high performing athlete should try ballet once and then you come back to me and and tell me how cute it is because you're bleeding when your toes are bleeding and (laughs) yeah and see the thing is I we were not allowed to dance point in uh, East Germany so I'm so because they thought it was really it was really uh, health damaging, whatever. But there was another reason that I I must have not understood. But we were literally not allowed to dance and learn pond until the, I think, until nine years old. And then it's kind of too late to start, or at least you have to work like double as much to get to 
you know, stand on your toes, basically. If people don't know what Pwand is, it's like the standing on your toes kind of dancing. So <clears throat> I pushed always to get there because I wanted to study ballet, which obviously didn't work out. <laughs> but the thing is that uh, I never learned it, which is funny because uh, I'm now starting to... <laughs> 33 years old I'm gonna start practicing point but anyways the key to this is I absolutely believe that ballet has been turning me and obviously like the way I grew up too mm -hmm. but for me it comes from the way I had to deal with uh, being chronically ill and on the on the edge of death for the first almost 20 years yeah. so I was thrown into the Like I was born and the decision was like, do you want to live or do you not want to live? If you want to live, then there's only one way and it's being resilient as fuck. So there you go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I, I'm sure you can kind of relate to this, this desire or maybe this message, but this was how my, actually, this was really the message that my entire brand, my personal brand, my audience was built around was the message of live life on your own terms. And I don't know if I read that in a book at the beginning, or if I read a blog post that talked about it or what, but that stuck with me really, really early on. Like in that first year of college, when I went to college in the U S and I hated it, I ran my first offline business, which actually was a dance company. Yeah. yeah you might know that. Yeah. <laughs> and anyway, I just, I saw that phrase come up somewhere, probably on one of my YouTube, like late night YouTube, you know, yeah. searches online business. May have been my blog post. <laughs> Probably. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> yeah. And, and so I kind of, I, I like instantly fell in love with that idea and that message of living on your own terms. And I was like, that is exactly what I want to do. I don't know how, but that is yeah. what I will do. And I will not stop until I figure it out. And so that just kind of Yeah, my yeah, the, the first, you know, the flight to New York City and then the flight to Australia, it was all in the back of my head. It was I'm going to create a life on my own terms. I can't be an employee. I I uh, I'm a terrible employee. <laughs> so so uh yeah. Yeah. I love that. Is we just I just recorded another episode before you and my guest said most of the people in their first, you know, seven, ten until teen years, they never question anything. They just get obviously everything like taught, shown, whatever it is. And so you just watch and take everything in. And he said, it's very, very rare that there are people out there that question everything from the beginning. And I had mm -hmm. to laugh so hard because I was one of those girls. Like my parents, they would sometimes just, they didn't have answers or it was, it was questions that were just really either private or very complicated also in terms of our history in Germany you know and mm -hmm. I would keep asking and asking and asking and sometimes they would just give me really weird answers or none at all or just be that's the way it is I think that's one of the favorite answers because that's the way it is in Germany that's the law you know so it's like super interesting and I just kept asking and he said like you know those people obviously have a very different way of thinking and acting I think that's also one of the things um, where the mindset comes from. I just don't take things as they are, like, or how they are. I just take, I just go at them from different angles and make my own way out of that, which is why the living on your own terms is exactly, it never even came to my mind to live the way that other people told me to, 
because I never thought like, why would I do what you are telling me to do? Because it feels like that's what you want, but it doesn't make me happy. Yeah. It, there was a lot of friction around that. Yeah. And that's, and it's not something that, that stops. Like you don't get to a point, like I didn't get to a point in, you know, in my coaching business, you know, after the first year I was like, all right, I'm here. I'm, I'm living on my own terms. Like, yeah, it felt like that, but I feel like it's this constant evolution of you have to keep asking questions, especially to yourself about is, is what, what am you know, what I'm doing right now, is it still aligned with my long-term vision? Is it still aligned? Like on a daily basis, daily basis, I ask myself is what I'm you know doing today. Is it going to serve me tomorrow, next month, et cetera, et cetera. And that's how you, that's how you continuously make sure you're still living on your own terms. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. So tell me a little bit. I asked you before if it's okay. So I want to dive into that. When you arrived in Australia, um, you just mentioned in the beginning in the intro, you met your partner, but uh, you also said there were three years in between. So tell me a little bit about the three years in between. Ooh, yeah. So, you know, when you, you know, when you're at that point in your life where you're like, I am, I am, it's all about me. I'm focusing on me, myself, and I, I'm not even looking at a dating app. I'm not even <laughs> like, that was me when I landed in Australia. I was, had no interest in dating, no interest in men or going on dates or anything like that. Two weeks after I landed, <laughs> met Daniel <laughs> and here we are with a 18 month old now. So yes, there were several years in between that. And I met him, we started dating. It was literally like the, like your cliche love story where you fall in love abroad. There's all the visa issues and, you mm. know, all that stuff that goes into it. Visa like, issues. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> love them. <laughs> yeah. So we dated. I was, I finally started making money online as, again, a freelance copywriter. Gee, a year and a half went by and no, two years, two years went by. We were going strong. And then luckily I will, I will say luckily because a lot of relationships will end quote unquote, because one person decides it's not working mm -hmm. well. Right. Yeah. So with us, we got to a point where we just thought we were better off as friends after about two years. We're like, we're better off as friends. We loved each other. But again, we were like, we just think we're better off as friends. Like it was just a mutual conclusion that we came to. Yeah. So anyways, um, about a, maybe a month and a half after that, if that, maybe a month after I found out I was pregnant. <laughs> surprise. Oh, surprise. <laughs> yeah. Surprise. Now here's the thing though. I, I'm the oldest of three girls. I have been the second mom. Like I've been like a mom my entire life. I love kids, always wanted kids. I want a huge family. In fact, however, I was not expecting to start the family then. Yeah. But that's just life. You know, life throws you curveballs when you least expect it. So found out I was pregnant. We were still friends, like on talking terms, but I was also dating somebody new. And yes, it sounds like it happened very quickly, but again, it's one of those things where you listen to your gut. If it feels right, you move forward with it and you Absolutely. just see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. I was in a new relationship. I found out I was pregnant and what happened from there? Basically my new relationship, I, I came to a point where I realized that I actually didn't desire to be in any relationship. And this might sound crazy <laughs> as a, like, just imagine being, being pregnant and having the desire to 
not have any partner. Like that's how I was feeling because I, I just had this crazy kind of burning desire to create a life just for my unborn child. And I Mm -hmm. just didn't like I could, I didn't feel like that I had the capacity to love anyone or anything else at the time. Right. So I broke things off with this person I was with at the time. And then me and the baby's father, my now partner, we stayed in contact, obviously, because it was his child and we were still on fine terms. I just didn't want to be in a relationship. I just Mm -hmm. wanted to work on my business and just focus on setting up the strongest foundation I could for for my child, even if that meant being a single mother, you know? And so it was during that time that my coaching business while I was pregnant, it crossed six figures in eight months. And all of that I, I owe to my daughter. I 100% have never felt a, a crazy, just burning desire and drive to work my ass off. <laughs> like I had never had such a big why, right? Such a big like purpose mm-hmm. um, to make it work really fast. And it did. And so I came here, uh, I ended up going from the USA to Australia again to see my baby's father and, and long story short, we reconnected and naturally things kind of happened all over again, just like from when we first met and here we are and we're together and then now it's been, so my, our daughter's 18 months at the time of recording this and yeah. And I can't imagine life without him, life without her. Life is so, life is so crazy, but I truly believe, I believe that everything happens for a reason. That's another yeah. really big kind of affirmation that I tell myself. Um, maybe you can relate to that, but yeah. um, I'm sure you can relate to <laughs> that. <laughs> if not, I don't know if I was sitting here still. <laughs> Honestly, no, this is, this is such a crazy ride. So Let's dive a little bit into the nitty-gritty details there. So when you were you found out you're pregnant, you're in this new relationship, but you're still friends with the former and new partner again. So how did the new partner by that time react to the pregnancy? Extremely supportive. I I tend to so I'm I'm very, very, very strict with who I let into my circle, whether it's a romantic relationship or a friendship. And so the people I attract into my circle are always very high quality people who support mm-hmm. me. It's kind of like, like my friends love me unconditionally. Anybody I'm in a romantic relationship loves me unconditionally because I have, I have, I have quite a high, high standards and high criteria for who I let into my world. And mm-hmm. for anybody listening, highly recommend you just, it's not a bad thing to have high standards. I, I promise so your quality of life will go, go, go so much higher Yeah. when you, when you have high standards. So anyways, this person, when I found out I was pregnant was extremely supportive. Of course it was a huge shock to both of us, but you know, it was harder when, when I realized within myself that I didn't want to be in any relationship. Mm. I was the one who called things off. Of course there was sadness. Of course there was, yeah, just sadness, just like anything that comes to an end. But I knew I just, again, it's that, it's that deep gut intuition, that feeling that this is what's right for me. And I have to do what's right for, um, not just me, but my unborn child, you know, that was what was going through my head. So yeah. And I just, and I, again, it's just trusting that things will work out how they're supposed to. 
And, and I did. And, and then it's taking action from that mindset. You know, you have to back up the mindset with the strategy. So. Yeah, absolutely. And I think for any woman out there who's going through a similar situation or who is having to make hard decisions, it's so important to understand these this concept of having high standards because I feel like especially I don't know how you feel about it but when I was little I was always told to not make troubles to not be loud to not say no to you know to smile and wave and to be to be this cute little girl you know but then this is when all the shit happens and I got just punched in the mouth all over again until I set these standards and It's so interesting. I have a friend now. We met at the business conference last year. Mm-hmm. And I have I have still some physical issues that manifested obviously from uh, suppressing emotions from whatever it is. And one of that is nerve pain in my face from the trigonomous nerve. So it's like neuralgia, but it's not it's not something that I couldn't heal. So I'm working on that. But one thing that is really like triggering it basically is air condition a lot of wind cold Mm -hmm. and so it's really interesting when I met him for the first time we were with a bunch of entrepreneurs and we were preparing for the Wim Hof ice bath Mm -hmm. and it was the first time I'm doing this ice bath and we were all in this room and it was not especially hot outside but they are they insisted on running the air condition on like 15 or 19 degrees And I literally just, I didn't even ask. I went, I took the remote and I turned it off because I was sitting right there. It would blew in my neck and I knew exactly it would take an hour and I would be under so excruciating pain. I wouldn't be able to walk out there. And especially with an ice bath, you're sitting in ice cubes, you know? So this person next to me, I'm sure if he listens, he knows who he is. He's looking at me and he's like, oh, wow, you're so high maintenance. And I'm like, yep, if you think so, that's totally fine. And I will keep being high maintenance and having these standards because I need to be sure that I'm staying healthy, that I can walk out here because I promise you, if I'm going to knock out of this ice bus, you're not going to be the person who's carrying me in my room, you know? (laughs) And he looks at me and he's like, yeah, but other people are hot. I'm like, fine but you're not going to die of being hot right now unless you're telling me you have like cardiac issues or whatever. But I can actually have really health-threatening issues with this air condition. So I'm just choosing to turn it off. And he's like, wow, this is so high maintenance." And so now we're really, really good friends because after that ice bath, I just explained a little bit more where this comes from and all of you things. But I didn't feel the need to defend myself or whatever in this moment, you know. And it's so interesting how people mix up when women set standards, boundaries, doing what's good for them with like being high maintenance or whatever. So tell me how you experience that. And also, I'm going to throw this question in because I feel like I'm going to forget about it. <laughs> how did your audience react to this whole story? Because I know you were very open about it and shared it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So two questions. I'll answer that first, or the, I'll answer the audience one, just so I don't forget. Yeah, I'll go into that other one, which is such a good topic. But yeah, so I've always been very uh, a big believer on documenting. 
So I have documented my entire crazy story, my crazy journey the past few years. That's largely how I've built such a pool, a big pool of customers, audience, uh, followers, clients, et cetera, et cetera. And when I shared, when I decided to share the pregnancy online in a very public way, it pretty much went viral. (laughs) Like that one (laughs) post um, went crazy because there was an underlying message to it. It wasn't just, Hey, I'm guess what? I'm pregnant. It was, it was a message that was tied to it, which was a message of basically uh, you're in control of so many things and focus on what you are in control of. Right. And because so many people place their energy and their focus on the things they can't control. You know what I mean? So anyways, that when I first initially shared it, there was shock, there was, but there was all around love and congratulations and Um, People already kind of saw me as a a mother figure and a leader. So they were really excited for me to (laughs) actually become a mother. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was, it was crazy, but so much support, so much love. And, and then I just took them along for the ride from there. And it was very public time in my life sharing something that public, but it was the right thing to do. And yeah, and I liked, and I enjoyed doing it. So I did. But would you repeat Um, it that way? We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, I think there's certain things, it, it depends on the time of your life, really. You know, if, mm. again, this comes down to listening to your gut, if there's something that you desire to do and there's a desire behind it, then do it. Don't question that. Don't overthink it. Just do it. Right. But if there's something in you that's like, there's resistance, don't ignore that, honor that. And again, set your standards for yourself. Right. Yes. Yeah. Like, so that t- I'll go into this other topic now. Cause that kind of yeah, before we, before we go into the standards boundary topics, tell me, when do you think uh, sharing a story like this would be oversharing? Yeah, so I get asked this a lot. So one of the things, so the, the way I help my clients, which are primarily coaches, right? Mm-hmm. So most of my students and my clients are online coaches. Um, I help them get more clients, attract more clients. But the way I help them do that is by sharing their story. Right? Mm-hmm. Because I believe that is the most effective way to stand out now in 2020, next year, et cetera, et cetera, right? Because everybody can share, you can share facts, motivation, tips, quotes, things like that all day long, but anybody can do that. That doesn't make you stand out, right? Mm-hmm. What does is your story. And so when it comes to that question of, ooh, how much is too much, right? Um, am I going to be too vulnerable? That what you want to ask yourself instead is what what is the message that I want to share with my story and who do I want to who do I want to reach with my story? Who is the actual person that I want to attract with my story? And then tell your story from an angle that resonates with that person. And I promise mm-hmm. you won't you won't that that all that you know all those thoughts about oh is it too much is it too much this it won't matter it won't come up because you're so focused on getting a message out to a specific person. Do you know mm. what I mean? Yeah. 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 Okay. Boundaries and standards. Let's dive in. <sighs> Boundaries and standards. Yeah, man. I, I could go on a full on like kind of feminist rant here. <laughs> Please bring it on. Are most of your listeners, are they women or is it kind of a mix? Mix. But I mix. like, I, I, first of all, I totally believe in sharing your truth yeah. So if someone is offended, you always know where the stop button and the leave button is. So b- bring it on. <laughs> <laughs> so get out. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, 
I tell my, I know I tell my clients that all the time, whenever actually this just came up this morning, I got a box of message from one of my clients and she was like, I'm really nervous. I want to share this thing, but I, I'm, I'm afraid of backlash because it's controversial and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, honey, there's always going to be people that do not agree, that do not resonate. And you're, you're welcome to tell them to get off your social media because <laughs> yeah, like that's just, that's just life, right? If there was a link to the unfollow or the unfriend button, I would put it under each of my posts. Yeah. <laughs> it should be like, share, what, what is it? Like, comment, share, unfollow. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Bye-bye. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, that's not a, it's easy for us to sit here and say this, but that's not a mindset that is created overnight. So <clears throat> yeah. what I will say to get to that point where you are that confident, where you can go out, you can make decisions for yourself. You can be unapologetic. You can turn off the air conditioning in a room <laughs> and not care <laughs> to get to a point like that. Honestly, the, the funny thing is, is it's like, if you, if, if you're a man and you go out and you, you know, you turn off the air conditioning, you do what you did and you call your own shots and you, you put yourself first. It's kind of like a, Ooh, he's the man. Like, Ooh, he's, <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like go you. Whereas if you're a woman and you do that, I think the reason why women get so much judgment and shame around having high standards and they get labeled as uh, high maintenance high maintenance is because it goes way back to where women are just expected to be the giver, the give, 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 give the food, give, do the laundry, give, just give, give, give and put yourself last. You know what I mean? And then you get the bitch stamp wants to take for yourself. And you're yeah, like, and it's, yeah. Who, who are you taking something? Right, right. Who are you to put yourself first? Yeah. And times have freaking changed. <laughs> like it's 2020. Look, the, to the women listening, by, I will say this, by not having high standards and by not setting boundaries in your own life, your personal life, your relationships, your business, you're not doing a disservice to other people. You're doing a disservice to yourself because I guarantee, I promise I've been there. When you don't have standards for yourself, you, you, you let anybody into your life, you let, you give anybody the opportunity to be your friend or be your partner or whatever, you will grow to resent yourself. You will grow to resent your job, your business, your anything in your life. So the way I look at, you know, setting standards for yourself and, and doing that confidently is you're, you're, you're not just bettering your own life. You are creating an all around ripple effect because what happens is when people, like when people, when when I talk about this, I will literally make posts about this and talk to my clients about how important it is to set high boundaries with who they work with and just in their business, like what happens is that person becomes empowered and then they empower somebody else to do the same thing. And then it becomes this ripple effect and more and more women get the confidence to stand up and say, you don't get to be my friend. You don't get to come to my party. You don't get to like, and that's a beautiful thing. And that's, it's what the world needs more of. So yeah. So I love that. I love that. (laughs) <laughs> yes, uh, all the yeses. So, how do we, how do we know what standards we have? If we, if yeah. we, so, because I feel like a lot of people. I mean, I think a lot of women. Let's let's just stick with women for here for now. 
I think a lot of women who were always giving, always caring about other people, always worried what other thing of them and all the kind of things, they might not even know what standards they have, what boundaries they have, what they really want for themselves. So where do we start to figure that out? The first thing to look at are the things that you're not happy with in your life. This is what I'm, I'm speaking this from personal experience. So what I did and what I continuously do, if I'm ever not happy about something in my life, whether it is something related to my business, whether it's something in my personal life, identify what it is that you are not happy with, which is pretty easy to do. Like most people, if you ask them, what don't you like about your life? They'll list off five, six, seven, maybe 10 things, right? Look at those things and then ask yourself, okay, what am I not happy about it? Or like, why am I not happy about it? Right? Mm -hmm. So for example, if it's, if you don't like your job, well, what don't you like about your job? Well, I don't like being treated like crap by my boss. Well, why are you allowing yourself to be treated like crap by your boss? There you go. There's a boundary that needs to be set. There's a standard that needs to be raised. You know what I mean? So, so these, these, these areas of your life that you really need to set standards in, they will show themselves if you identify what it is you're not happy with first. Like that's, that's the first part to start with. So if you're not happy in your relationship, ask yourself, okay, what about the relationship am I not happy with? Is it the way, the way I don't feel emotionally supported, right? Maybe it's that. Well, then guess what? You need to set higher boundaries as to who you, you know, as to, you know, what you will and will not accept from a partner in terms of emotional support. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. that that's how I broke it down for myself, at least when I started setting a lot of boundaries in, you know, in, in my business and my personal life. Another thing, you know, for those of you guys that are business owners, your entrepreneurs, one thing I did early on was when I realized I was not happy with certain clients that I had, like I just wasn't enjoying, and I'm sure you've all, we've all been there having, you know, clients we don't enjoy. And I asked myself, okay, what don't I like about this client? Like, what am I not enjoying here? And I identified it. And then I went, okay, so in order to change that, I need to raise my standard as to who I work with and what they have to have in place to work with me, et cetera, et cetera. And I removed that problem for the future. Yeah. So that's where to start. If you, if, if you're not happy about something in your life, figure out what it is, number one. And number two, figure out specifically, like get more specific. What is it that doesn't make you happy? And then there will be a very clear kind of breath of fresh air that makes you go, okay, I see. I need to, I need to, I need to be more honest with myself as to why I've accepted something like that into my life because we are in control. I think people, I think people forget that we're in so much more control than we think sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause it's easy to focus on all the things we can't control. And there's a lot on a daily basis, but if you want to, again, live life on your own terms, then every single day focus on the things that you are in control of because there's a lot. And right. So how would you deal then with the pushback? So taking it back to the example you brought with your client this morning, she wants to share a story. She doesn't know, you know, like, oh, if there's pushback, I mean, there will always be pushback. We know that. But for people who 
are not yet confident or they just don't know how to deal with it. How would you recommend someone who may not yet shares all of their story or is not documenting as you have been doing it? Where should they start and how do they deal with the pushback? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So in terms of dealing with the pushback, the way to do that is to get very, very clear on number one, what your message is and why you actually care about getting that message out into the world. Because when you have, when you have a genuine desire to help a specific kind of person, whether I don't know, maybe you're helping parents, maybe you're helping business owners, you're helping artists, musicians, whatever. When you have a genuine desire, not just something that you, you think you should be doing or you, you think you're supposed to do, but something you actually want to do, mm -hmm. I promise you that that desire will override the fear because you will be so focused on reaching that person and helping that person. And it took me years to figure out what it was that I wanted to do. Like if we're going way back, like it took me years, but I knew it was important to go through that phase of getting clear on what I wanted because as soon as I found it, I showed up like a mad woman and I showed up on social media every single day. I built an audience. I shared my message because I was genuinely passionate about it. So that's, that's the first thing that fear will, will disappear very quickly when you, you, you really get clear on what your message is and why you care about getting it out into the world that desire will, will override that fear. Right. And you, you'll be just focused on the fact that you have a message and you're excited to get it out. And there's a person that needs it. Right. And you'll start posting, you'll share the story, you'll do the things without overanalyzing, without overthinking. Right. So I see a lot of the times that when somebody is in that mode of like, Oh, I'm, I'm afraid what people will say, I'm afraid of this is perfect, blah, blah, blah. They haven't really gotten clear on why they care about what they do or what their message is. There's a lack of clarity, which is, mm -hmm. which is, I would say 99% that is always like a, an underlying problem is lack of clarity. Like as soon as you have clarity on anything, then it's, oh, then it's just, you can do anything. <laughs> you yeah. <know>? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so what do you want to share one exercise maybe for our listeners that would be your favorite one to get the clarity on your message and why you want to share it? Yeah. So actually, so your audience, the people who listen here yeah. regularly, are they, do you have a lot of entrepreneurs or who's? Almost all of them, I think. Yeah. Entrepreneurs oh, and business owners. That's the, that's the target audience. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. So for all of you who are entrepreneurs, you have a service, you have a valuable product that can truly help people. And you feel like your message is not clear a lot of the times I, I have people say to me that they feel like their message is confusing. So they're not confident going out and marketing themselves on social mm -hmm. media, doing what we do. Here's my biggest tip to you. You need to identify the problem that you are solving because people pay to have problems solved. So the mistake that I see a lot of coaches as well as service-based business owners make is not knowing what actual problem they are solving through their products and their services. When you don't know what problem you are solving, mm -hmm. your message is not going to be clear. It, it never is, right? So the first exercise to do is get clear on what problem you are actually solving through your product or your service. Then you create a message that is crystal clear around that problem. So I help this person solve this 
thing, like solve this problem. Um, creating a message around an offer only fails when you try to create kind of made up lingo and language. I'm sure you've seen so many messages out there that are just like people will try, they'll, they'll think that they're standing out by creating this fancy phrase or term. But as the copywriter in me is sitting here speaking, I will tell you time and time again, the more simple your message is, the better it will convert, the better it will resonate. Um, the more sales you'll make, the more money you'll make. So the first step to doing that is get clear on what problem you're actually solving for people. Okay. When you're clear on the problem you're solving, then you create a, a message around that that makes it very, very clear how valuable your offer is. Yeah. That is when the, you'll see the sales flow in easily. That is when the ideal clients will come. That is the first step to doing that. <sighs> I mean, I have so much more to ask. <laughs> oh, I asked something that I love to ask that many people don't ask. Which question would you wish that your clients would ask you more? Oh, that's a good one. Um, which question? So my, hmm, I get hit with so many on a daily basis. <laughs> right. But which, which question do they not ask that they should be asking to move the needle faster? Yeah, I would say, I would say probably, probably a mindset question. Yeah. So, so I, uh, give me a second to think of a specific one, but what often happens, what I, what I see with online coaches and, and online service providers is the questions they're asking are all around strategy because mm -hmm. they think with the right strategy, they will become a millionaire super fast. <laughs> they, they think, Overnight. you know, I, ju I just need the right strategy yeah. when 99% of the time, the questions you need to be asking are They're about mindset. And again, I can't think yeah. of a specific one right now. I feel like it's on the tip of my tongue, but I wish my clients would ask more mindset questions because nine out of 10 times their real problem that they're having is not strategy related. It is, it is, it is mindset. It is them over, overanalyzing, creating problems that don't even exist yet. It's, it's mindset. So I think, I think if so many more, uh, business owners, coaches, Uh, service providers focused on creating creating the mindset of the person they want to become, mm -hmm. they would get there a heck of a lot faster. And what I mean by that is like, so be, so I knew, I knew very early on that I was going to become a millionaire one day. I just, and that's, that's a crazy thing to kind of declare when you're 18, right? <laughs> Which is when I got started with this online business thing. But I just felt it in just, I just kind of declared it. I just, I just said, I'm going to be a millionaire one day. And it wasn't about the money. It was just, it was more, that is the life I want for myself, what I mm -hmm. want for my family. That's the stand again, standard. That's a standard I've set for myself. And so what I did though, was first I went, okay, what is the mindset that somebody who owns a six figure business? What does that mindset look like? What, what is, what mindset do they have? And I practiced building that before, long before I actually made a hundred grand. Right. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think this is a really important aspect to every single day on being the person that you are working to become. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So mm -hmm. what do you think are the, 
let's say three most important mindset traits that six or seven figure business owners have that the people who want to get there don't have? Mm -hmm. Number one thing is they don't create problems or sorry, they don't solve problems until they exist. So what I mean by that is what a lot of entrepreneurs do is they will accidentally start focusing on things that aren't actually a problem yet. Mm-hmm. So they'll start overanalyzing. They'll start going, oh, what if this happens? Or what if, what if this happens because of this? What if I do that and, and this is the result? They literally create dozens and dozens of problems in their head on a daily basis that do not even exist yet. Millionaires, and I can speak this because I've had now two, uh, my current mentor runs a $10 million year business. The number one mindset thing I've taken away from him is do not, do not, do not try to solve problems that do not exist. You wait until a problem arises and then you come up with a solution and you solve it. You will grow your business 10 million times faster that way. Yeah, that's the biggest one for sure. It's definitely something that probably a lot of people, especially the overthinkers on us, can relate to. Yep. 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 Yeah. And I've, that's, again, that's not an overnight thing that you just turn on the switch and you go, okay, I'm, I'm not going to create problems. Yep. It's a daily practice. Like if, if you are, for those of you guys listening, if you are truly in business for the long run, you will commit to doing the daily actions, mm-hmm. right? And that was another thing that I, I committed to myself from a very early time was if this flops for the next month, then so be it. I'm, I'm still going to be fine a year or two years or three years or five years from now because I'm in this for the long run. And that's, yeah. And another, another big thing that I've learned from my most recent mentor is if you solve enough problems, you get to become a millionaire. Mm. Business really is just about solving problems. <laughs> right. When they that's arise. It. When they arise, yes. <laughs> when they actually exist, when they're staring you in the face and there is a problem, then you fix it. But do not, on any circumstance, try to solve a problem or even focus your energy on a problem that doesn't exist. I love that. I think we could talk for more hours, but I want to be really respectful for your time and also my time and the listener's time because apparently this podcast is called Efficiency on Demand. So (laughs) I have two more questions that I always ask every guest by the end. So let's get into it. The first one is what does efficiency mean to you? Efficiency, what here, here, here's how I'll answer this. This might be different. What efficiency does not mean to me Mm. is working more or getting more done. Okay. (laughs) You're like, hallelujah. (laughs) (laughs) Because I see that circling a lot. I see that message going around a lot in the entrepreneur space, in the online space, that message of get more done in less time. Right. And it's, I'm not going to swear. I don't swear very often, but (laughs) it, that is absolute crap. That That is, that is not to me, to me, what efficiency is, is if I had to define this on a large bird's eye view scale, I would say uh, efficiency as a business owner is setting up your business to function without you always being present. Number one, that is a huge determinator for me as to what efficiency means as a business. But on a smaller scale, efficiency to me means 
getting the right things done consistently. So like, for example, to, to give a tactical example for me, at least there are three, three daily actions that I do every single day. When I know that people have like to-do lists of like 17 items, like 23 (laughs) things to do. If you cut out the 80% that does not matter and you, I promise if you just do three or four, maybe even five things every day that move the needle forward, you will grow so much faster. That is what efficiency is to me is doing the right things, the right things consistently. Yeah. If everyone could just listen to that (laughs) again and then they happily can ask me which of the three things they should be doing every day because that's exactly what I'm doing with my clients. Amen. (sighs) Yeah. Yeah. Guys, I, so many, yeah. Yeah. This actually brings us to the next question. So which are the three things that you do on a daily basis to get to success, which the question is usually which of the three things would you do over and over again to get to success? If you have to start out over, but I think that's the same thing. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. So the three things that I do, number one is mindset. Big surprise. <laughs> and that, that looks different every day, honestly. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Mind blowing. Big shocker. Um, after everything we talked about. Yeah. yeah. Mindset. And that, that looks different every day, honestly. Sometimes that is an hour of yoga. I'm a big yogi fan. Sometimes that is literally 15 minutes of meditation and that's it. But mindset is number one. Okay. Or sometimes it is literally my partner giving me a pep talk for five minutes before he runs out the door. (laughs) Like it looks different, right? It's whatever I feel like I need on that day. I give myself that. I honor that. Mm -hmm. um, And I do mindset work in some way, shape or form. Mm -hmm. Second thing I do is sell, or I should say market and sell. That also might look different on a daily basis, but usually that is content. Okay. So the fastest way to grow online, to to grow your coaching business, to grow your service-based business, produce a piece of content, post a piece of content that is not the typical tip, motivation, quote, because again, anybody can share those things. If you want to stand out on a daily basis, share a story-based piece of content that will, I promise that will stand out from the crowd 10,000 times more than a tip, a quote, and that generic type of content. Okay. And the third thing is I, I talk to my clients and my, my existing clients and my existing students. So those two, of course, mindset is important, but those two last things that I said, which is the um, marketing or selling, right. And for me, that's through content, or it could be through uh, following up, right. Following up with leads starting new conversations, reaching out to new people, right? But either way, market, you need to market and sell every single day. You're in business, you have something to sell. Simple, right? But it surprises me how many, like how few entrepreneurs will do that. Like I'll ask them, well, when's the last time you made an offer? When's the last time you reached out to somebody that you knew could benefit from what you have going on? You know, and they'll say, well, yeah, a few days ago. I'm like, you need to sell every day and selling is serving. It is not a bad thing, right? It is how we change the world as entrepreneurs. Um, so sell every day. Um, but then that third piece of, of serving your existing clients, serving your existing students, because when you do that, that is what creates referrals. That is what creates loyal lifelong buyers. And that's what creates that brand loyalty. And 
listening to your clients, listening to your customers will tell you exactly what their next, uh, what your next product or your service could be. Like that is literally how I've created all of my products. All of my offers up until this point has been every single day. I listen, I figure out where else can I serve them? How else can I offer them my support, et cetera, et cetera. So those are the three, like, write those down. <laughs> if, yeah. if you haven't written this down yet, that will get you to your first six figures. That will get you to your first multiple six figures. I can't preach for seven because that's where I'm headed next, but I'll let you know <laughs> when we get there. Yeah. I love that so much. Lauren, it was an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for being so open about your story and sharing this with us and answering all of the questions. Um, thank you for, so much for taking the time and being here in the midst of everything that's happening right now. Well, please let everyone know where they can find you and what they can find there so we can follow along and see how this story-based content sharing works. Yeah. Two places you are best off connecting with me. Number one is my personal Facebook page. You can go and search Lauren Ray Gordon. My middle name is R-A-Y-E. <laughs> I always have to say that. Lauren Ray Gordon, you can go add me as a friend. I don't bite. And then my free Facebook community, it is Marketing and Branding for Coaches. Currently at recording this, I think there's 5,600 people in there. So mm -hmm. we have a really cool, tight-knit community of entrepreneurs, mostly coaches, We're all really positive and we talk a lot about storytelling, building your brand, getting clients and selling in a way that feels good. So yes, we would love to have you in there too. So just go search Facebook. Um, it's marketing and branding for coaches. Or go below in the show notes and you will find it there. The yeah. easy way. <laughs> Lauren, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. I love that we are reconnected. I've sent you a request already again. So we should reconnect for sure. And if you haven't yet, everyone who listens, please subscribe, share this, send us a review, leave us a comment, whatever you feel. And if you have questions for Lauren or for me, leave them in the comments down below and uh, we will make sure to get back to you. Yeah. I hope everyone has a beautiful day. Thanks again, Lauren, for being here. It was really, really a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. You've been listening to Efficiency On Demand. On Demand. We hope you've learned that you too can unlock your ultimate potential, how to control your time, create some clarity in your crazy life, and how to live life limitless. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to the podcast and please follow on Instagram at the Monique Lindner. We'll see you next time on Efficiency On Demand with Monique. Remember to slow down to speed up.